All right, welcome back to Navigating the Work Compass. I'm Kate Luzio, founder and CEO of Luminary, along with my co-host, Susan Chapman Hughes. Hello, and everyone. We are so excited um, to have another Luminary member today, old school OG Jennifer <laughs> Silva, who is, amongst other things, uh, the president of Berlin Cameron, and the founder of LLC, we'll learn a little bit about both of those roles that she plays. She's also a phenomenal working mom of two and is one of the best connectors I have ever met and a fierce advocate for women and women founders and all things women in the workforce. So Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I hope that me being an OG doesn't necessarily mean that I'm old. No, no. <laughs> So you were just original, <laughs> definitely. Not yes, old. the no. original. Yes, oh, good. original, good just like Susan. Um, <laughs> so we're going to get into some incredible research that Berlin Cameron commissioned with some partners, including Hello Sunshine and Fair Play and others. But before we do that, Jen, can you give a little bit of your background on your kind of your day job, but then kick around this study around women and the exhaustion gap. Yes, thank you. Uh, so I run an advertising agency for WPP under the VML YNR family called Berlin Cameron. And a few years ago in 2017, I started a division called LL She that works with women-led and women-loved brands. And, and ever since then, I've been just super passionate about really understanding what women want and what women need and how we're culturally being perceived and how, what we're feeling at the time. And it's also just been a tremendous passion for me to think about women, not just in my job, but in my personal life. And so in 2019, it was in March, I was on the elliptical where I have my best ideas. Um, I uh, decided to do something to give back to women and connect four women a day for that entire month for Women's History Month. And what I found was it opened my network, it opened the network of other women, and it was truly phenomenal. So I then invited other women to connect um, as well, and it was called Connect for Women. And since then, I've connected over 2,000 women personally, and my network has connected over 5,000 women, and it's pretty awesome. This month, I'm doing uh, 40. I, I surpassed my goal um, in making 40 connections for women. And it's just always the notion of the magic that comes from the connection, the opportunity that could be out there, the partnership, the friendship, the whatever, and then you know potentially hearing about that magic that came out of it. It's almost like being a matchmaker. Um, I really love it. Um, so that's something I'm really passionate about. But recently, um, I found, and I was, it was talking to one of, you know, how we have these power groups, and uh, I was in one of my power groups, and I found myself talking about, you know, we had this opportunity to say what we need from each other. And I said, well, I don't have anything that I need right now, but I, I have to admit something. I feel really guilty about something. I've been binge-watching every night, whether it be in the bathtub or whether it be in my bed. And that's really all I've been having the energy to do. And I just find myself depleted right now. 
And after I got off the call, I was so embarrassed that I shared with these executive women that I was binge watching underneath the covers, underneath the bubbles, whatever it was, because that's not typically me. I used to have this boundless energy, you know, always fueled. I had a bag ready for anything to go out with the ladies, to go to the gym, to get home to the kids. I was always that spontaneous person. But since recently, I've been feeling this way. And uh, I did a, um, a session with uh, Eve Rudisky, who wrote um, Fair Play and Find Your Unicorn Space. And it really inspired me because she had done some research, some qual research with 500 women and found that, you know, women were really feeling this way right now, that, that they had felt that they had lost their creativity and inspiration. And so I said, Eve, uh, for Women's History Month, let's go out and do some research to find out if this is really impacting women in a large scale way. So with Kantar, as well as Luminary and uh, Hello Sunshine and Fair Play, we set out to do some research. We did a thousand um, women and men, actually, so we could understand the comparison from the UK and the US um, to really understand this exhaustion gap and were other women feeling this way as well as I was. And it may seem obvious, actually, I got some comments in my LinkedIn post when I was sharing the data. Well, duh, Jen, we're all feeling this way. Did you really go need to go out and do this research to prove it? And I think us opening up this dialogue, and even when I opened up this conversation with Eve, I found that I, I almost lifted this weight off myself mm -hmm. just by realizing it and knowing other women felt this way too. And then we could trade secrets on binge watching as well. Kate and I do that sometimes. <laughs> so <laughs> I got to get in on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that's we, really where it's at. So the, and like you said, the, a lot of the statistics that came out of this research were not necessarily surprising, but I think the fact that no one was really talking about it, we hear this term burnout all of the time. Susan and I were catching up this morning and, and I said, no, what's really great about this is that we're framing this around the exhaustion gap. And obviously, and Susan and I have spent many episodes talking about the fact that the disproportionate impact of the, the she session, the great resignation, all of that on women. Jen, you and I were talking about this when it first started and did a bunch of research. But some of the statistics that came out, and I'm just going to read it, 66% um, of women have felt burnout in the past seven days. Not the past two years, the past seven days. 50% of women are likely to ask for help if they feel burnout. But that means the other 50 aren't. And so some of this research, yes, was not necessarily surprising, but the fact that it's now on paper. Um, Susan, I know you, we've talked just about the, the, the load on women over this past couple of years. Um, would love to get your thoughts on the research as well. Yeah. So first of all, um, it's really great that you did the research, right? I've been in, um, you know, as the, everybody's opening back up, they're like, come to this event, please come see this thing or whatever. And I've been in so many rooms where leaders, whether they be corporate directors, the board directors, or CEOs are like, yeah, you know, our culture is that we want people back in the office. Mm -hmm. And it's so great because everybody's coming back to the office. And I was actually in one conversation where they said in our New York office, you know, we have about 70% of the people who've come back to the office. And that's really great. In our California office, it's only been like 30. And that's really bad. <laughs> I literally was like, oh, oh. Right. And so as the conversation went on, I raised the point of, 
the number of women that have stepped out of the workplace, right? Mm -hmm. that have dropped out, who've said, you know what? I, I, for whatever reason, I just can't take it. I, I have childcare issues, I, whatever. But when I saw this research, it actually made me feel like that this is the number one reason why, or at least one of the top five, why women are just saying, you know what? I'm not interested in doing this. Some of the statistics that we got um, as part of this other event that I went to, this Goldman Sachs dinner, uh, they talked about the fact that savings rates are at an all-time high, mm -hmm. right? And so people, because they haven't been spending, have been saving their money, and it's given them a lot more flexibility and the, the willingness to actually maybe take a chance to say, mm -hmm. I'm exhausted and I'm not doing this anymore, whereas other people may not have had that. Now, I know there's probably a big differentiation between office workers and people who are frontline workers, but... Um, I think even frontline workers are tired and exhausted and you're seeing that in the, the amount of churn and attrition that is happening within their businesses. Yeah. And so, I, you know, the first thing I want to say is like, I applaud you for doing the research because I don't know that everybody believes these statistics, right? Yeah. You, you talked about the um, fact that when you said it, a lot of people around you were like, duh. And like, actually, I think there's still a whole lot of people out there who don't get the duh, right? Right. Who aren't seeing it. And so being able to quantify and to put this on paper is really awesome. I, I also think it's also interesting that, you know, Kate, when you talk about the statistics of 50% of the women are unlikely to ask for help. It's actually 67 oh, of women 67. feel isolated and right. don't feel like they have anyone to ask for help. And then 50% okay. are unlikely to ask for help. Oh, I mean, God, 67 feel right. isolated. I mean, right. that's just like shocking to me that. And it's, it, but it also says that there's a very big disconnect between what they think women want versus what women actually want and need. And mm -hmm. I also find it fascinating when you layer that up against um, women's role in buying decisions mm -hmm. as consumers, the fact that you've got this whole disaffected group of people who are like rolling their eyes and are like, I'm tired and I just want to binge watch. By the way, I don't think there's anything wrong with binge watching. I think you got to have the opportunity to like let your brain go somewhere else just on a regular basis. So if there's nothing else we learn from this, ladies, recognize <laughs> that self-care does include binge watching. So we're just going <laughs> to call it. It does. Yeah. And actually the research shows that was one of the top increases. It was one of the things that people turned to, right? So there was more wine, sleeping aids. The top thing was actually binge watching, yes. um, which actually made me feel slightly better. But you know what? One of the things that I found interesting is actually the 25 to 34 year old demographic was affected the most. Mm -hmm. And they were the most burnt out, the most exhausted, and it's interesting because when we went to do the study, I said to um, Kantar, well, let, maybe we should consider removing the younger group because they're less likely to be parents. And they said, no, we want to do it with the census data and, you know, kept me on track. Um, but I actually thought that they would have more energy. I'm 45 years old. And I thought, you know, here's it's my demo that's really the most affected. But it's the younger women that are actually more affected than I am. And that's something that you know, as a leader that we actually need to think about even more because I, I actually wasn't thinking about that. I yeah. thought, you know, it's the people that surround me and my group versus right. like, this is actually impacting the younger gen generation way more than it's impacting me. Yeah. And I, I mean, if you think about it, you dissect it, it probably is one of the first times they've had a real struggle, right? 
Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so, you know, in your first time out, I mean, we had recessions that we've had to live through. We've had periods periods of joblessness. Like we've all kind of like, if you're over 45, you've, you've had to live through some of that. Um, you've had to live through some kind of strife. But mm-hmm. for a lot of the younger ones, they have never had that before, right? You had an economy that was just like cooking and cooking and cooking. And then 2008 they were still like babies and and so this mm-hmm. is like the first time that they probably had to deal with it and boy what a doozy yeah. right because <laughs> like there's no script for how you actually navigate through covid some people think it's just get back to normal other people are like traumatized for life and i don't think that many corporations have figured out how they're going to deal with the mental health aspects of what's going on with people yeah. but i'm Here's- wondering um jen as you like you know have have looked at this research and just reflecting on your own perspective like okay so we have the numbers what do we do with it right well one of the things before you i want to add that one thing to susan because i think it'll it'll dovetail also into what susan asked because when susan mentioned all of these you know sitting especially here in new york you're out in la companies saying come back come back we just had Mm -hmm. our mayor say hey companies you got to get your people back in the office when you look at the re- the study as well, and I again, I won't get the numbers wrong, 26% of women feel somewhat less or much less motivated in their career. We also know one in three women haven't returned to the workforce that exited due to the during the pandemic. And then when you look at 79% did not receive a promotion since the start of the pandemic, right? Um, 66% didn't receive a pay or salary increase. feel that their social circle has shrunk, right? So all of these things, we talk about pay, we talk about networking and relationships, Mm -hmm. we're going back to work. So again, dovetailing off of what Susan, what do we do? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I I think that's a a great point. And actually, Kate, if you think about the flip side of the motivation side of things, the 26% feel less motivated. Actually, the the research said that we may be exhausted, but we're still actually very motivated. 74% of women have either the same motivation or more motivation than before the pandemic overall. 76% of mothers have either the same motivation or more motivation in their careers, which I thought was great. And 77% of mothers have the same or more motivation to do things for themselves. And that that comes out to 35% more motivated to do things for themselves. So Susan, that kind of answers your question is self-care and us thinking about how to take interest in our own lives again. And so many of the moms that I talk to sometimes tell me that they feel like they're kind of above themselves, like looking down on their lives and not really an active participant. You're just like kind of going through the day and but you're not really there in the moment. And it's because we're not taking enough time to devote to our own our own inspiration and our own creativity. I would highly recommend that everyone read Eve's book because I think that that's yes. like an amazing step in the right direction in terms of finding something that inspires you. And I think that that's what turned the light on in me is like, I felt like I found my creativity again. And when we know when we find this time for ourselves, 40% of people feel relieved 
25% of people feel inspired, 24% feel more creative, 20% feel more connected. So it's like when you find this joy within yourself, you have means to connect with others, you have things to talk about, you have this inspiration. So trying to find those little things that spark joy in your life. And it's not necessarily like my husband was like, Jen, you maybe you should just go find a hobby. And like, I love my husband, he's really great. But I'm like, a hobby? That's another thing that I have to do on my list. Like, I don't want a hobby. I just want this like little thing that brings me joy and sparks me again. And and truly, I think one step is is that um, with these books. And I think from a corporate perspective, is finding these ways to think about that time um, from a corporation and have fun with each other and like take out from the day of like just the you know, productive time and, you know, spend time together. A lot of people are, you know, changing up the workplace dynamics. It's not just about that. It's a place to connect. And I think that that, that is great, you know, not necessarily mandate that you go there for work, but yeah. find these connections and inspiration points and creativity points. Um, I think, you know, are very it's inspiring. Yeah. One you know, we got a comment um, here from Courtney uh, and she says, I'm, as a 33-year-old mom of four, two being home all day and trying to navigate changing into the tech industry, but still not making enough for childcare or a nanny to help. I'm so grateful to work remotely, but I think as a woman, we face such different challenges. I'm looking at working a second job so that I can just have some help. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, Courtney, first of all, you're not alone. I think there are a lot of people out there um, who feel the same way. And and I, I think, you know, if there's kind of like a frustration meter, you all are probably way more frustrated than we are. And we're pretty frustrated. Uh, and so, Jen, I'd love to just, you know, hear some creative ways you think companies can help. Well, obviously paying a living wage is like important. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, you know, Courtney's talking about trying to transition into a new industry while managing all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Ideas for her on how she can think about doing that and still find some joy? Um, Well, I think there's several things. One is in the research that we asked, like what people want from their bosses. And actually, I found this really interesting because the what they said was surprised me. I thought it would be flexibility, more time off, increased wage. It was actually to be recognized for unpaid and invisible labor that we do within the workplace. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's you like say a, that again. Say that one more time. It's to be recognized for the unpaid and invisible work that we do in the workplace. And actually, it wasn't the number one in the home, which surprised me. The number one in the home was help help around the house. And then the second was to be recognized for this unpaid labor that we're doing. And funnily enough, men's number one at home was they're happy with the way things are. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. Yeah. It's but then- I mean, this is a really important thing. Like, how can we start to recognize, like thinking about ERGs, thinking about training, going back to Courtney's point, like training her to do other things, maybe at her own company or, you know, somewhere else those types of things, you know, to help people pay for them, to recognize that they're trying to advance their careers in uh, commitment to ERGs as well, paying people paying to be that. in ERGs, yeah. paying leaders to lead ERGs, <laughs> you know, all of that, like paying and appreciating that unpaid and invisible work that we're doing. Um, from Courtney's perspective, you know, in terms of like what all the stuff that she's balancing, I mean, there's that so much stuff on your plate. And I, commend you. Um, I think there's um, some amazing programs out there actually that are starting to upskill and um, put people back. And maybe Kate, you probably have lots because a lot of people have turned to entrepreneurship during this time. 
Um, I know VML YNR has like an amazing program called Dear Black Talent that's helping talent get into our workforce and training people on what what types of roles you could do in advertising and how to take your skills and think about them differently. And the one other thing that I would say is like, maybe you already have the skill set. It's just a way to position your skills yeah. to sell yourself for that job, right? You don't need to check every single box, you know, of the qualifications. Just think about what you're good at and how to sell that to an employer in terms of what they're asking for you to do. Yeah, I think so much of it is the story, right? Whether you're positioning yourself in a new industry, a new role, it's creating that story around your value. Yeah. Um, your reputation, your results, all of those things, as well as, you know, really tapping into your network and your relationships to make those calls for you and make those introductions. I, I want to, Jen, I want to go back to one thing you said. I think companies are trying to figure it out, right? So we've got the great resignation and not every woman can go and leave and become a business owner. It's just not realistic, right? Right. One of the workforce is still women, right? And we want that. We need to keep and retain women in the workforce is what all of these companies struggle with. I think creating capacity is an issue. Mm -hmm. so Luminary, obviously, as you know, including Rolling Cameron, works with so many companies, right? And yeah. so whether that's investing in a corporate membership or, or different workshops or, or training and development, the challenge still remains for women is this being able to have capacity to do it all. Um, that whole thing, like, I want to be the go-to, I tell people, forget that. The minute you become the go-to for free, they will take advantage forever, right? So right. whether you're paying your RGs, whether it's, again, looking at compensation across the board, I'll give you, Susan and I love to share anecdotes. Um, last week, I will not say the company's name. We've been mm -hmm. talking to a company about working with their women, um, and they wanted us to support 200 women through Luminary. And they said our budget is five thousand dollars. What? Yes. Do they do the math? Just dividing five thousand. Yes. I did I the mean, math. That's like, that's like lunch. No, it, and that's for a year. It is, it is lunch. It no, may be one cocktail. One cocktail. <laughs> and I and I I had to laugh. I said, "Is this?" I I I have the email. I said, "Is this a joke?" Wow. And I said, "That is like this is where companies are getting it wrong." Right. So mm -hmm. whether you're creating flexibility, you're creating new program, whatever that is, you actually have to fund this, these things. Yeah, and yeah. when you think about the last two years, how much money companies have saved. Right. And yet we're still hearing the, well, you know, we don't have T&E. We don't have bullshit. Right. right. I mean, sorry, LinkedIn, but I'm just a <laughs> curse, but that is that we have got to start calling out companies yeah. when we're not seeing it. So well, I was I watching um, uh, CNBC this morning and I can't remember which CEO was, but he was like, you know, I think that people are not, it was the CEO of Restoration Hardware. Mm -hmm. And he, he, he was like, you know, I think the problem that we're facing right now is inflation is like so out of control. And so basically consumers and employees are going to, pay for it because, you know, companies are in order to get to deal with it are going to just have to be less profitable or charge more. Mm -hmm. And I literally was like sitting there like a little bit mortified for him because I'm like, um, you know, you're going to have to invest more in your business and in things like this, if you want to keep to be able to grow and keep moving forward. And I don't think it's a binary choice. I don't think it's right. a, 
choice of like, oh, do we like make just have to keep the same bottom line? Obviously, you have to manage the street. You've got to do what you've got to do. But right. you know, realistically, this is the, the place where I think a lot of companies are going to get it wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. um, because they're going to rely on their traditional infrastructure and organizational structures to try to navigate through very new problems yeah. and new opportunities to transform their workplace. No, um, I'd love, Jen, if you like, do you think of anything that's creative? I mean, I'm, I was looking at one of these other stats here. That I'm on. My mind. Oh, yeah. yes. Daisy's book yes. is awesome, right? I bought yes. like 25 copies so I could share with people. Yeah. Um, this 40% of women never or rarely do something just for them and spend 60% of their week doing things for others. Yes. That's, it's not... I, you know, and that's happening in the workplace too, right? Um, yes. And, you know, we're not doing that. Um, we're more like we're we're putting ourselves last and we're more likely to do productive tasks instead of things for others, which I get it because you're trying to check everything off your to-do list, right? But we know that when we do give back to ourselves that it actually rewards on all sorts of ends. You know, I, I've been thinking that about from a corporate perspective, like, you know, we have, we are client based and we're, you know, client service, right? How could we work in the ERGs and this time actually into our fees? Because I, I think it's really important. And actually that company wants us mm. to have that knowledge and find that space and have those discussions to then, you know, be able to bring that back to them and their leadership and their thinking, because it's not just about external communication, internal communication these days is external communication, right? And so it's all so intertwined that we need to be thinking about that. And that's something that actually in, in a couple of pitches recently, I've been trying to actually reframe the way that we're looking at you know, our budgets and actually ask clients to consider that within the budget so that then it's easier for us as a business. You know, obviously we're giving to it anyway, but like actually feeling like it's paid for too. Um, do, you, I think. do you feel like your clients are asking for um, more diversity on the teams that serve them and, um, you know, more people that are reflective of their customer base? Definitely. I've seen uh, a huge, it's, it's actually like, a very important thing in terms of the team that's pitching. It's important in terms of the team that's actually servicing the business. And hopefully those two things are the same, right? Yep. Um, but it's, I think I've seen up to a 60% diverse team recently, um, mm. which is a big wow. ask, right? And I won't say what client that was, but um, we're definitely seeing it across the board. And it's yeah, very important. Because it's interesting is as you, um, as you, as clients and customers are asking for more of this and they're doing it because their customers are becoming more and more diverse right. and able to reach more people. They're not doing it because they're benevolent. Well, maybe they are on some of them, but right. um, what, what's fascinating to me is um, to your point, it's not free, number one, right? Right. Um, but number two, it is an amazing retention tool to invest in these activities, ERGs right. and others, mm -hmm. or people who are of color, who are feeling isolated, who are feeling separated. That's actually one of the few places that they can go and feel seen and valued if they're not feeling that in their business. But it still okay. strikes me that so many companies still underinvest in those organizations, or they ask them to do the work of the business, which I also think right. is problematic, right? So, right. I mean, the reality is like, you know, I think of ERGs like as a safe space for people to go to create community and support for them, not to do the work of the company. 
Right. Yeah. I think you have to have both, right? You have to have yes. that internal driver, a commitment from leadership to create change. The ERGs are necessary as well to spark up the dialogue, create the community and, and everything. And I, I think it's important, actually, Daisy, when she was writing this book, her and I had a call and um, she asked me about Connect for Women and how I was ensuring that the women um, in Connect for Women were diverse. And I said, well, it's open to anyone. And she's like, Jen, that's not good enough. Right. <laughs> and I, I, I was, I'm like, well, I'm doing, I'm like doing this out of my goodness in my own heart, Daisy. And, and she's like, but it's still not good enough. You yeah. need to make sure that the women, it's not just a circle of white women looking back at each other, that we are bringing other women into that fold. And it's actually in the book, the story. I haven't gotten to it yet. I'm like <laughs> dying to see what, how she positioned it. Um, but I, um, I, I really appreciated it. And it made me think about it so much differently. And it really helped me to think about the programming, to think about how we were bringing people in, how we were connecting people. So it's, it was, I'm really glad that she called me in. There's so many people, Jen, who don't listen. And so if there's one thing that, you know, folks can take away from this conversation is be like Jen, like, like take the feedback, listen, because um, inclusion, you know, a lot of people talk about DE&I, right? The diversity, equity, and inclusion. The inclusion part is really hard. Um, because a lot of people just don't feel included and they don't feel valued. But um, listen, we could talk about this forever, but we're almost at time. So, Kate, I know you want to, like, bring this thing home. So let's do that. Yeah, I think, Jen, just, I mean, one, you know, incredible just foresight to do this research, right? Bringing us Luminary involved in it. Um, but I think this idea of whether it's the exhaustion gap, um, diversity and belonging, inclusion, everything has to be super intentional and purposeful, yep. right? We are, we continue for many of us to talk in the echo chamber, right? And we've mm -hmm. got to make sure like Eve is doing, like Daisy, we had Daisy on Gold Digger last week. Um, she also spoke at Luminary with the book last week. I think this is, we have to also make sure that the white men are part of this conversation and listening. So- yep. I mean, my last kind of is like, let's let's get all the women on board, all of the women, all the women of color, but we've got to get these white dudes that are listening because they're still predominantly the leaders in these organizations and they're still the, the main decision makers. So um, any sort of, where can we find you? I know you're super active on LinkedIn. Where can they find more about this study? Yeah, you can find more about the study on the Berlin Cameron website. We have it on our research tab. It's also on the Luminary Research tab as well, um, our partner. So that where I'm going to continue to publish on this and keep talking about it, um, because I think it's really important for people to know, you know, how women are feeling at this time. And this study, I just want to point out that was done as the pandemic was, and it's not over yet, but as there was a, we were all going back into the world. So it wasn't when we were at the height of the pandemic, it was done very recently. So I think it's important to know that we're still exhausted. Yes. And that, that, that we need to take that into account and that burnout is at an all time high right now with women and men, actually. It was, uh, men were just as high in a lot of these points. Um, and, you know, we need to, and as Daisy said, it's um, calling people in, right? It's not calling people out. That's uh, a Daisy quote. I'm not, I'm not taking it, yeah. but, um, and I do it all the time. Like, well, we, you know, have we thought about this, this team, you know, we can't go to a pitch like this. This team isn't diverse enough. Are we, we need to, we need to make better hiring decisions and like constantly calling 
um, that in to the leaders of the company to make sure that we're really um, considering it and taking this into account and listening. I think the listening is huge. I, I had someone reach out to me from Africa recently about Connect for Women and how they could get involved. And that was like a uh, a question and a listening point for me. I have to figure that out. I don't exactly know. I'm going to figure out a great way. Um, but I love that, right? And I love those those people calling for connections and, and all that. So you can find more information on Connect for Women on LinkedIn. There's two group, two private groups, one for people looking for work and one for people just looking to connect. Um, so one's called Connect for Women She Covery Group, and one's called Just Connect for Women. And then we also have an Instagram channel. And then Berlin Cameron, you can find us on the web. Amazing. Love Jen, it. thank you so much for joining. Um, more to come on the exhaustion gap. We'll keep you all posted. Uh, tune in for the next episode of Navigating the Work Compass. And remember that we are on Apple and Google Podcasts. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Susan. Thanks, Jen. Thank, thank you, Susan. Thanks, we'll see you all next time. See you next time. Bye, Susan. Bye, Kate.